Hello and welcome everyone to this edition of Clarity Chat. I have with me Kalpana Maniar, former group CIO of Edelweiss and now a full-time volunteer of Isha Foundation. In today's session, she is going to talk about her life journey from finance to technology to freelancing, being a working mother, executive, IT's business leadership and to finally her life calling, philanthropy. She became a full-time volunteer in 2019, giving up a lucrative CIO career. Welcome Kalpana to Clarity Chat. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only three decades old, but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively. to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders. Shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Welcome to the Clarity Chat Podcast. Please share your life story with us, calling out some key inflection points which reveal to you the first principles of creating success with technology. And with you, I can also say as well as in life. I have not uh, left the road. I mean, in a sense, I'm not in uh, active professional uh, life, but technology continues to remain. And actually, who can not find ROI in technology? Or technology is there for all of us. I think it saved our lives in this current pandemic. So, but yeah, going back to your question. So, uh, I mean, basically. If I were to look back and look at my growing up years and uh, the recent, uh, you know, roles, nothing very spectacular when I was growing up. Uh, just a usual childhood. Uh, read a lot, you know, played out in the open because there were no gizmos. <laughs> fortunately, so the growing up years were full of basically just uh, you know assimilating a lot of information from books. I did commerce because my dad was a finance and, a, and an accountant, accounting person. Just inspired by him, and I did finance by chance. So it's not that I wanted; I was dying to become a chartered accountant or anything for that matter. But I think the the biggest inflection point came for me when I lost my dad at the age of 22. He was my inspiration. He was a young person when he died; he was just 52, and, and he was a role model in my life. When I, losing him was one of the deepest things that had hap- has happened to me. Usually, uh, I mean. Being the oldest of the the family, I mean the siblings, obviously a lot of responsibility, a lot of maturity came. But I went into a lot of you know mental suffering because I just couldn't wrap my hands around this loss. But it taught me an amazing lesson, and I think that was an inflection point also in my life. Not only losing my dad, but I think the learning that came that I realized that when I was actually immersing myself in helping people or working with people who were so underprivileged and required, I mean they had nothing. 
So I started going out on medical camps to far off villages, which had nothing actually with a set of doctors, Ramakrishna mission. And I realized that when I was working with people who had nothing and yet they were smiling, my suffering reduced. So this was the biggest lesson at 22 for me that don't wallow into your pains. Pain may be inevitable, but suffering is not. So I, I it was it was a huge amount of growth that happened at that time. Then I did my chartered accountancy, cost accountancy. I got married. But in techno, I somehow got interested in technology. And during that time, a little after my, my marriage, when I was uh, still in, as a, practicing as a chartered accountant, that uh, when I said, I said, I want to learn. And I went into systems analysis and design because I basically wanted to learn technology more from solving business problems and re-engineering processes so that technology is best used. Those were early days of computerization in the stock exchange. I joined my family business of stock working actually, a little hesitatingly, but it was a need of the family. So I said, okay, let me do that. But otherwise I was quite happy with my CA role. I was into practice, but uh, anyway, those were early days of computerization. I'm talking about 1987 and uh, stock exchange computer computerization was on. So I helped computerize the back office for my, my family business of stockbroking. And that's when my early engagement with technology started. I just loved that experience. I saw the benefits it was bringing. It was like you were discovering something new. And uh, then I went on to actually uh, to take a job in Bombay Stock Exchange, where luckily I got a good chance to, I was a part of the special projects team of the executive director. In fact, I took up that job only for that. So they were setting up CDSL at that time. It was a second depository in India. Meant a lot in terms of the business model. And it was trying to basically reduce the cost and bring a second depository and interconnectedness between depositories was a big you know, issue. And I mean, it was such a challenging um, project and again, a lot of learning. And this is when actually I learned large scale technology use. Luckily, my, you know, the team, uh, the, the president at that time of Bobby Stock Exchange and other team members, senior people in the team, I was quite, I was, uh, I, mean, I just joined Bobby Stock Exchange. But the senior people had reposed a lot of trust, they gave a lot of room, a lot of learning, and I just enjoyed that, that experience. And of course, I went on to do more uh, in helping in modernization of clearing house and many other projects, which were more technology oriented, but at the same time were solving large business problems. So this was my early foray into technology. I loved the experience. Then I went on to have more confidence. And then I, I went and joined iFlex. At that time, it was not taken over by Oracle. And I enjoyed my role there, but it had to be cut short because I was a family situation where I had to come back to India and uh, go on a sabbatical. So that was a second inflection point that, um, you know, here I was, I was thinking that, you know, I wanted to now, I was in a technology company. I was trying to do something that I really felt was uh, very important for me or I was enjoying and I had to go on a sabbatical but again very beautiful thing happened to me at that time I got into uh, Isha Yoga a friend of mine said that you know I'm going to learn yoga do you want to come and I said okay um, and I just uh, experimented I had a lot of free time because I was a sabbatical and I did this program and again it was such a humongous I mean I had not expected anything big except bending and stretching but here it was that I I discovered what it is to just go inward and and then again my uh, I was not it was not easy for me to just get put myself down and say okay fine I'm, I'm on a sabbatical I just started freelance consulting because the flexi timings helped with my family situation and I had an amazing experience even here wonderful clients a lot of learning 
um, different business problems to solve. So I worked with large investment banks, brokers, small brokers, but on their processes, risk management, trading technologies. I mean, even selling off broking, why broking is not... I have a friend now, he's become a friend, a client has become a friend, where we did an analysis for him and we just showed him how broking was not lucrative at all, the retail broking. And he sold that business and went into real estate and he still thanks me for that. So it was an amazing experience. Of, I, I think I, I, did, I went on and on doing more and more projects. I love the, the freelance experience. I love the different problems that came my way. And then I went on to join Edelweiss. Then I was ready because I could have taken up a, a formal job. Uh, the family situation had had, uh, had improved. There was no issue. And then I joined Edelweiss. And it, I think it was one of the best times that I could join Edelweiss. And uh, it was 2010 when it was scaling up. And uh, what a journey, like the scale up not only in terms of each business uh, scale up but even foraying into different domains within financial services so that again was a wonderful experience of learning uh, you know I, I mean i was more comfortable with broking and uh, you know broking related uh, areas but here i learned a lot on the credit side on the life insurance business we set up then of course we set up many many more businesses and uh, that was a wonderful journey of nine years but somewhere along the way i think there was some part of me and because i had already started practicing yoga i was a part-time volunteer with uh, with isha and other ngos during that journey, I just felt that maybe there is something that I could do more in uh, f focusing on uh, my inner journey. And uh, if I could do something which made a big difference to people, people's lives, in financial services, I knew I was doing something which helped businesses and obviously and customers. But here then I was start already starting to think that uh, can I do something which is uh, a little more meaningful and makes a difference to other people's lives. I got exposed to Rally for Rivers movement at that time, which had just been started in 2017 by Sadhguru. I was, those years were just amazing in terms of I was working a full day in office and then going back in the night and starting my work at 8 p.m. Uh, on Rally for Rivers, you know, and and then sleeping at maybe two in the morning and again going back to office. And then I think those uh, about four to five months were just so energetic and inspiring. So then slowly those seeds uh, and then people asked me that, when can you come in a little and do a little more? And then we started this project uh, of Rally for Rivers in uh, Maharashtra in Yavatamal district. And then I just thought that maybe I'll try one year. I took a sabbatical of one year from Edelweiss in 2019. And then uh, in 2020, when the time, came to go back I just felt that maybe I wanted to continue what I was doing and uh, so uh, here I am I'm still a full-time volunteer with Isha I run I mean I help out and support another NGO which we have started with our friends called Mumbai Kidney Foundation and I am again enjoying this journey so so oh, this that's, is that's a that's a that's a phenomenal journey and you know I, I noted down that line when you said pain is inevitable suffering is not that's such a that's such a message and then uh, you know learning technology by solving business problems doing large-scale technology at CDSL 
and then you know when your career was soaring uh, you know you had to come back so you know so one of the things that kind of threads through your uh, career journey is uh, a very interesting career graph with many years even freelancing uh, in big corporate roles anyone is uh, likely to get anxieties you know as as you know from from, from a soaring career that i flex you come you come to freelancing and then you know then again pick this up so and and this was one of them was this family reasons uh, which you mentioned so how did you handle the transition of course you told about yoga but take us a little deeper into those stories including you know the one that you told me about the jonathan weeks that series <laughs> that's one of that's one of that's one of my favorite uh, books as well <laughs> Yeah so yeah if i if i look back see actually it is like this tradition that when you are living those moments it doesn't appear to you like you're making some big decisions or some big choices it is that life throws you a curveball and you just deal with it right i mean how you deal with it is your problem you can either deal with it in a in a manner which is like okay it's great let me make the most out of it or you can deal with it by complaining but i just never felt that way so i mean if you see right from ca practice to family business to working in as an employee in bombay stock exchange to again i flex to freelance consulting then to edelweiss and then back to whatever you know volunteering now there were times when things happened and you took a call whether whichever way there was some anxiety i wouldn't uh, lie by saying i mean it will not be a truth if i to say that no i i felt nothing of course there were moments when you felt that oh uh, i wish uh, it was different but then the acceptance was if the acceptance is a you know um, a fatalistic acceptance to say oh this is the way it is i can't do anything instead it if it is an active intelligence that is working okay let me make the most of whatever is available and let's see what works out i think that actually helped me and i do recollect that when i was young i used to read a lot of richard back and franz kafka jakeshmurthy and many other uh, many other books and one story definitely touched me at that time i was like heavily into richard back and um, you know so jonathan livingston seagull i think all of us most of us grew on on such book you know where the seagull is basically just wanting to break free there because the seagull's story is basically just the food and the the you know the existence just the what do you say it is just the routine just you eat sleep and you know like just a routine existence instead it was more to do uh, you know the jonathan livingston wanted to fly where no other seagull had dared to fly so i think these things are very really inspiring and i now definitely recollect one other book which was illusions from richard back which talked about some sea creatures and i would read that part again and again in that book where the sea creatures had just you know had only known the only thing that they had known in life was to cling to the rocks because that clinging was their way to the life and uh, the when they were resisting the current you know they had learned that from birth that the only way to do it is to cling to the rocks and resist the current whereas uh, here one creature actually just breaks free and uh, it uh, it just uh, says i will let the wave take me wherever it and this time to go and then you know how that creature just soars above and then all the creatures who are clinging are looking up and saying oh a messiah has has come so it was just an ordinary creature but he just let go and these things story stay, stayed so much with me that i somehow maybe even not very actively thought about doing all that or emulating that it just came as a part of my response mechanism so i think that was one of it and um, i think overall i mean it sounds like a 
holier than thou and I don't want it to be like that it's just that I think I got lucky good things worked out and I just seized that all those opportunities yeah I mean you know connects uh, so well with my own experiences by the way Chad Bach is a personal favorite as well so I've got his entire collection yeah whether the one illusions illusions two and then you know even the recent ones where he talks about the ferrets and all that <laughs> so i want i don't miss a book by him yeah it is like so uh, so 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 much connects you know like for me also being a mechanical engineer and the, you know then deciding not to plunge into it when everybody in you know in and around my class and everybody was going into it i decided no i'm going to stick to mechanical and then somehow flew into <laughs> into it and then you know and and then became a cio so that's that's so uh, beyond the journey the principles you know which which worked for you like in terms of letting it go you know making the best out of whatever comes your way and let the waves take me where they want to <laughs> that's so i would say i i i learned so much uh, from it uh, and resonates uh, so much So you want to talk about you know the the time when you came back and started freelancing what 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 exactly happened that time in terms of you know your mother-in-law and I mean did you feel an obligation to really leave that career and all that to leave uh, a good career There was a family situation in which I couldn't have continued to be in out of the country and not look after my uh, you know aspects at home so uh, in some ways I won't say that I was forced I was not forced it just took I took that call that okay now is the time when I need to be in in this particular situation and therefore I will not be able to have an active professional life which demands a lot of time from me so yeah at some point there was a regret that oh I have to do this but at another point there was that okay this is it all right life life has many things in store so i basically um went on on the sabbatical and during that time i think uh, i had a lot of free time so i discovered a lot of new things in terms of i mean i read up things that i had never had the time to read earlier also as i said you know that somebody said yoga and yoga happened to me so i could have kept the bitterness but i somehow just was not feeling that way and one of the reasons i think is that my mother in law has been so supportive of me in my entire career in fact i owe my career to her like while my parents were very supportive but one can understand that parents always are supportive for their children but my mother in law despite her coming from a very underprivileged background like she lost her parents at a young age so she didn't have a chance to educate herself she married a very young into a joint family where she was basically looked after only as a homemaker and did not get her due in so many ways you know i mean traditional families but she, despite all that she was so emancipated and she was so supportive of me and all the time actually rooting for my success that i felt that whatever i do for her is so less so there was never a question of ever feeling that you know uh, why do i have to uh, you know give up something which i knew was was a short period in time it, it was just that uh, it was just a blip so i never felt anything and i think i, I i'm happy that i took that call that's uh, that that's really inspiring that you know like one what life gives you need not be an obligation you know you just take it and run with it and make the most out of it that's a, that's a great lesson of 
whatever you get you know life throws a curveball at you whatever you get you make the best out of it so kalpana uh, let me i'm sure uh, you inspire a lot of uh, women professionals and you have been uh, so what has been it, what has it been like women professional do you feel a glass ceiling holding you back and what's your advice to women trying to make a successful career and maybe you know some interesting incidents where you felt to different where you were made to feel different So fortunately when I was growing up we were three girls and one boy my brother was the youngest we were three daughters but my parents never made us feel that we were girls like we had the same aspirations the questions in the at home would be okay what do you want to do what do you want to become and uh, the chores are divided between the girls and the boys so so there was never a, a, a distinct discrimination so i never ever felt while growing up that i was a girl it is just that uh, you know it's in your mind right i mean so when i went on to do my ca i went on to one firm audit firm it was a leading audit firm Uh, at that time and i walked up to them and i said ah, can you take me you know uh, as an artic so they said oh we don't take girls so i said oh why so then they said um, because girl, we have a lot of outstation audits and girls don't travel i said what made you feel that i will not travel i will travel so the the boss at that time one of the partners said why don't you go and ask your dad at that time was not no mobiles were available right so i said okay i will ask him but i know the answer that he is not going to tell me no so why don't you take me so he said uh, okay first you go and ask him so next day i i went back and told him that yeah my dad is okay so he was quite surprised because when i asked my dad my dad said yeah as long as you're taking care of yourself and you're confident about going out with boys only because you're the only girl as long as you're fine i'm fine how does it matter so when i told him he said wow okay and then that was the beginning of them taking girls in that firm and then after me a lot of girls joined and believe me i went on that outstation audit there were only boys and i in my career so far a touchwood i have not met boys or men who treated me differently just because i was a woman you know i i'm very lucky i won't say the world is like that there there are cases where people may not be the same but i have been lucky that i have not faced this so those were the early days but even otherwise like i i mean i was on audit at hpcl hpcl was one of our large audit and uh, that time you know the when the march end happened there used to be change in the excise duty and therefore we had to take measurements of the uh, the crude tanks measurement of actual stocks and it used to happen at the 12 midnight on march 31st and i used to be there on those tanks going all the way to chembur those are uh, far off places of course we had our team but i mean i was coming home alone in a cab of course but my mother yeah she would worry as long as i reached home and i said okay i have i've arrived she would always be just anxious you know with no mobile phone so you had no way to contact but i did all that and i never felt anything i mean people i don't think people made me feel different so fortunately i'm not faced a glass ceiling i mean i've had argument i mean i've had men colleagues or seniors argued with me and fought with me not because i was a woman but because i had a different point of view and they respected that you know so i but do if you were to ask me jagdish does it exist i do believe that there is an underrepresentation of women in key roles I think there are times when women get passed over for promotions not because I think there is a gender bias but I just think because sometimes men feel that women may not be able to give that kind of time and sometimes women feel that their their other parts of their lives should take a precedence so in balancing sometimes women give up multiple roles i mean they they can't if they can't balance doing multiple roles well then they give up and sometimes men do feel 
so is it correct as a woman my my thought on thoughts on this are that it is very important to create a place for women to succeed in all fields not only in corporate in all fields why because only when you have gender diversity that you will have different leadership styles you will have a diverse culture you will have diverse practice and if you see in most corporate i've seen most corporate environments are you know the, the style of leadership or functioning is a alpha male type which is sharp or aggression where and i think there is a place for aggression and sharp behavior in business obviously because it is business but i also feel that there is an equal place for the feminine which is not the gender feminine what i mean is a nurturing the inclusiveness because any good leader qualities if you were to look at then the nurturing and inclusiveness is a very important leadership quality as important as acquisition as important as meeting targets as important as growth or scale because only see while other aspects in business all the other resources in business whether it is capital okay all these are inanimate but the biggest resource i, I wouldn't want to call human a resource but the biggest possibility is only with human being because business as an entity cannot work by it itself it is the human beings right that that make it work and if you if inclusiveness or nurturing or growth is not an important element of leadership then you are actually missing a very big point which is hu- every human is a possibility it's a huge huge miss and the alpha male type of leadership always misses this and therefore when you have women and men in leadership roles or at any level you are having the possibility of having different leadership leadership styles function and which is more wholesome which is more holistic which is more you know human growth oriented So I would say to women I mean I I'm I haven't reached such heights that I want to give any advice to be honest I'm also learning but I would just want to say one thing to women that uh, just be yourself just be true to the core of what you are you don't need to wear if you're comfortable with western you can wear western if you're comfortable with indian you can wear indian if you're comfortable with indian ideology it's perfect if you're okay with western ideology it's perfect there is no one thing that's right or wrong just be true to what you are true to true be true to your core if you see isro women scientists they are the ones you know it it just makes my heart so proud and happy when i see isro women scientists they are all wearing sarees having a gajra in their hair and they are launching large spaceships these this is what celebrating womenhood is about not getting stereotyped not getting typecast just being true to what you are no i think i think this is absolutely uh, fantastic and and as you know ravi says a balanced view on gender diversity i remember you saying that you know that many times it's in the mind and i think you know when we start typecasting ourselves in certain ways or when we start stereotyping so one is other stereotyping you the, the, the worst is when you st- start stereotyping yourself in terms yourself. of, in terms so of what, you cannot, what you cannot do or what you should not do you know like those can should and all those kind of you know uh, stereotype yeah. but that's that's excellent kalpana now at this point you know, i want to uh, just call out to all the audience thanks for all your comments and playback and if you have any questions for kalpana please keep shooting uh, we are reading and bringing it up here and
and we'll we'll pick it up. So, Kalpana, let's move to the next one, which is your transition to philanthropy. You gave it up all in terms of you know the money, power, and all of that, and came a came a volunteer. But you were at the top of your game. Take us through you know a little bit deeper into a more zoom in into you know what that process was and uh, you know and how you discovered your life purpose. Um, so uh, honestly, it was not like a aha moment or anything. Uh, it's just that I think from my childhood, I was always uh, looking at something which would be different from um, my routine. So uh, like while well, you studied, you got married, you had kids, you did your job, but somehow something was always missing in in my experience, and I was not able to pinpoint what it was. I would read J. Krishnamurti's books and go and visit him when he would come once in a year. to india and whenever i would see his eyes i felt there was something in them which i want that i don't know what it was it was just that his he had found that deep you know something within himself which i was looking for. and i never knew what it was and how to get it it's just that by a chance uh, you know um, uh, as i said when i went, I went on sabbatical uh, this i went into this yoga program because one of my friends said it's happening and i said okay my expectations were not to to find something very big or anything i just went there to bend and stretch but i got introduced to something which was called uh, shunya meditation and it was something which really made huge difference to me it was was it was that time i felt oh this is exactly what i was looking for. i didn't know what to do earlier but here i found a tool and it was as scientific a tool as it could be you know because if you see yoga it is a technology you know there are of course subjective dimensions to it but if one wants to even practice it like technology you know one can because there are tools and they work and if you see sadguru what he says is that even gautam buddha was in a way scientist because everything he put down as sutras were clinical that if you did this if you did this if this would happen and here i had this tool in my hand and it was so simple it was just so simple and i felt wow this was amazing so that was when my journey started to go deeper and deeper inside and uh, uh, i went through a lot of uh, experimentation and learning and but at that phase it was an amazing it was like a sponge just imbibing just imbibing experimenting wondering whether this works for me how it works what doesn't work but tremendous amount of learning and uh, introspection and you know uh, reflection and then it stuck and i i mean i i think um, it just unleashed something huge because i realized that i was bound by certain mindsets and law within me and these tools were somehow just unlocking everything so then i was free i didn't know why uh, i you know we build walls around ourselves of, of things that we feel we can't we can do we can't do opinions and here i was i was set free and i just loved that feeling of homecoming and just being free and just being exuberant nothing big you need to happen if you still want to be joyous or exuberant uh, just life itself just a regular life itself was amazing and so I think it I just continued and I think I will continue. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now that you are you are into uh, philanthropy and you know right in the beginning actually you mentioned something about you know the technology never leaves you. So, how can we how do you see from where you are today in terms of using technology for human well-being and for the larger public good? And uh, you know, as you look back, what advice would today's Kalpana give to the younger Kalpana of 10 years back? Actually, these are two questions. <laughs> right. 
am your podcast host Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it. Leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. While, um, see, I mean, if you just look at last one and a half years, right? Technology has saved the world. Imagine otherwise lockdown and yet most work in corporates happened. Of course, not at the same pace. Initially, we all struggled because we were all very used to in-person working. Some companies were working from home, but most companies, at least in financial services, working from home was a taboo. But uh, so we worked, right? And the technology saved us. The vaccine in the shortest possible time, everything. So, I mean, I'm technology playing a role which is just like unprecedented. Some aspects of it, like the how much we struggled as CIOs, at least I remember, you know, bringing the digital transformation or the digital mindset in the employees. Pandemic has been the biggest guru. It has changed the, the entire behavior and technology adoption has been great. So while while we look at all technologies helping do a lot of efficiency, bring a lot of efficiency, bring a lot of transformation, we're looking at many things, right? I mean, driverless cars and space travels and, you know, wearables and I mean, name it and all. It's all wonderful. But unless technology technology changes or impacts the man on the street or the man in on the farmland you know and i'm not saying that it needs to be mutually exclusive while we pander you know on on everybody's what do you say fascination for gizmos and the, the sexy and the shiny things, all this technology will be of no use unless it brings human well-being. And uh, I'm sure there are many technologies that are directed towards that. And the, the biggest one which we experienced is the telemedicine. Pandemic made that happen. However, there's a lot that one could do because, you know, if state-of-art healthcare is available even to the man who's in the remotest of location, then it's worthwhile. Otherwise, you know, we are not doing what is needed. Also, a very important thing which has come into to the forefront with this pandemic is the kind of problems that we have with urbanization and therefore if technology can be used to divorce the physical location from economic prosperity it is so important because then you will have you know good jobs available in far-flung uh, locations and will improve the quality of life for millions of people and therefore if we can work on these technologies to help sustain and provide jobs and skills and education to the remotest part and i think sadhguru speaks so passionately about it because you know this can actually create a lot of uh, you know balance between urban and rural areas and bring economic prosperity and uh, equal opportunity in far flung areas so this I felt is also very important. And also smart agriculture. While we talk about everything, smart cities, smart this, all are very important, no doubt. But smart agriculture, because then these technologies will help the man who puts the food on your table, right? Whether it's smart irrigation, it is uh, monitoring and controlling, you know, fertilizers, uh, use required, water required and for these, uh, you know, uh, these fields or, or crops, sensors. I mean, all these and make it so simple for you that 
that even the, the the last mile has an access to it. So these are some of the thoughts that I had in terms of what, what uh, you know, where we need to also look at technology, you know, um, initiatives. Yeah. No, uh, you know, this, uh, this is an interesting one. In fact, I feel a little bit jealous sometimes in our uh, school group. So, you know, I, I studied in Almoda, which is a small town in Uttarakhand. And uh, we all keep reviewing that, you know, we are not able to visit, visit the place more often. And, you know, and we keep making plans year after year that, you know, we'll do a reunion somewhere nearby. And now I see that, you know, with this pandemic continuing, some of us have actually gone back and started working from, from there. And it's not just that you know, you're working from there. Then you also have a life where you are also inspiring other people. You are also interacting with other people. And, and you're able to do something beyond work. And that adds to, you know, the ecosystem in these places. Uh, but that's a, that's a great point, Kalpana. And I think all great points around the smart agriculture, you can use water more efficiently. I think the way agriculture has been run in our country, uh, the water tables have kept going down with enormous use of, unintelligent use of water in agriculture. And that's something that can be addressed via technology. And of course, telemedicine is a is a great possibility for uh, for people to take that. So uh, now coming to you know one of my uh, questions, Kalpana. In fact, that was a different discussion we were having, and and I related it so much to a change management. Whenever we talk of technology, we talk of change management, and you said something very very deep, which kind of stuck to me about uh, you know the horse versus bicycle. Why don't you talk about it in the context of organization change management? So I wouldn't take credit for the originality of this idea. I was in one of the sessions, the leadership, you know, Isha runs a leadership academy called Isha Leadership Academy. There was one of the sessions in which Sadhguru basically said this and it really struck me. So what he said was uh, that, you know, organizations uh, uh, need to look at themselves as, as organism because orga- when you are an organism, you are basically, you respond to the external stimulus uh, immediately or you adjust, you can recalibrate and you are agile and uh, also um, you know so he this is it is in this context that he had mentioned that there is a difference between organism and organization and the example he gave really stuck to me he said that you know it's like this that uh, when you are riding a bicycle you know it's easy because it's just one two three you know you should know the process and it will happen because bike does not have its own mind but when you but when you are when you are a leader in an organization you are riding a horse the horse has his own mind and therefore you cannot ride it like a bicycle. I think it was just so deep and so brilliant that it 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 uh, resonated so much with me that most of us tend to make this mistake of treating uh, human beings around us like resources and therefore not as possibilities. And we believe that we are riding a bicycle, especially in an M&A situation, Jagdish. You know, right? We When we try and integrate technology or whatever, you know, whether finance or we integrate the teams between the, the merged companies, you know, we always believe that uh, X, Y, Z will work. If we were to just take it as an organism, then we will be so sensitive to the human aspect of integration, the difference in the culture. How do you bring it about? Because the acquiring company may feel like an Alexander, but the company that is acquiring, uh, getting acquired, their employees are going through a lot of insecurity, anxiety. And therefore, are we mindful of that fact? And are we using this organism example there? So that was what I was, it really resonated so much with me. And I wish I had this insight when I was in active work life. Yeah. <laughs> it really stuck me, you know, when you first time you said it and... Uh... 
you know, it's that uh, the people that you're managing, they're not just Excel and PowerPoints. They are real human beings. And, uh, you know, you got to be sensitive to, you know, the fact that whatever you do, whatever way you touch them, right? I mean, there, there will be a reaction. Yes. It won't be, it won't, it won't just be like, you know, you move your handle and the cycle will go one way. And therefore, uh, that for, for successful leadership, it's a very important aspect to understand and empathize with that horse as to how it is going to react and, you know, how, how much gentle you can, I mean, with a, with a, with a cycle or bike, you can be as rough as you want, but yeah. not with a horse. It will throw you if, off your back. If horse decides to go in another direction, how do you slowly get it back <laughs> to no, the direct no, direction? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, a, a horse can throw you off its back and, you know, that's yes. from many times that that happens in, in organizational initiatives where when you are not sensitive to the horse, that, you know, these, these initiatives get treated. So, uh, Kalpana, I will, uh, I think, I think I'm at the end of my questions. I'm quickly browsing through, uh, you know, audience comments. So thanks to Rajiv, Devya, Sajid, uh, Shashi, Ankur, Pankaj, Rakesh, Patsarthi, Divakar, Amitya. Then there's Arun and Balaji. Balaji, thanks. Thanks for that comment. Yeah. I think this, uh, then the Seagull story, it has inspired a generation actually. <laughs> you know, how, you know, it's like, you know, when you were saying, uh, Kalpana, that, you know, it's all about eat, live, sleep. It's like, you know, life is much beyond nine five, right? It's, it's a pursuit and it's an exploration. So yeah, there's a comment from Makran Joshi. If you're from a non IT background, you have a chance of becoming a CIO. It's <laughs> kind of a comment. So Kalpana, you want to respond to that? <laughs> say that but I would just think that uh, you know coming from business background or understanding of business background always helps everybody whether it's a CIO or a CFO or an HR person so yes uh, because see uh, I mean uh, my experience was that I had a wonderful team that filled up for my lack of uh, technical hardcore technical knowledge because I didn't have any I was not an engineer I was just a business person just trying to apply technology to solve business problems. I don't know whether I did well or I did not do well. I just did my best. I know that. I enjoyed it and I did my best. Maybe somebody else who would have been a hardcore technology guy would have done differently. Probably. So I don't think there is a rule that somebody succeeds only because if they're a non-technology person. But if a technology person can bring the breadth of, uh, of, uh, of uh, looking at things right? Because technology is a vertical, it's it's more deep. But if they can bring the breadth of being able to, you know, so there is a very beautiful um, way of looking at it. There is a Garud Drashti and there is Sarp Drashti. So a hardcore technology person has Sarp Drashti, which is a ground level understanding of technology, which is also very important because without that, you cannot actually function. But a Garud Drashti is very important. So generally, if you see management studies, bring it aims to bring a Garud Drashti, which is a bigger picture. You are flying and you are having a view of the entire landscape whereas Sarpadrishti is focused down so any specialization helps you build Sarpadrishti any general management or any other study brings you the Garud Drashti so a combination of these two is very important so if a technology hardcore technology person goes and gets an MBA or any other degree not necessarily a degree you can just do an experience but brings that Garud Drashti they can succeed extremely in fact they can do better than even the non-technology CIO <laughs> That's what I feel because you have the possibilities of both, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think it's also a very good uh, reminder to all of us that eventually, you know, every single function is solving business problems. It is solving uh, for taking organization from point A to point B, whatever is the vision. And if you are doing it in isolation, you know, which sometimes you know I see 
know, as tech guys with the, with our Sarpa Trishti, we tend to like go so deep into the nuances of the technology that we use that, that you know, Garud Trishti. And I think it's not about technology, being a technology person or a business person. It's just that, you know, if you have handled business in any form, whether in a tech role or a business role, your ability to see the larger point of view of business and how technology plugs into for, into these, into the business functions and strategy for success, I think that just improves. Jigdish, I'm sorry, I forgot one of the questions that you had asked me that if Kalpana were to look at 10 years back, what would I do? This is exactly what I would change. And Makarand, I think maybe this can help you uh, if you this was a question. The one thing that I would do if I were to re, uh, you know, live my role as a CIO or any other business leader is to go and listen to the customer. Talk to the customer. Just keep talking to the customer because if the insights are coming only from your businesses, as to what is needed, then it is just one view. I would keep talking and making, sitting maybe in IVRs or looking at customer complaint mails or going and visiting a customer or talking to a customer. I would just do this. If you do this, everything falls in place. No, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I I always tell people that you know you should do something like a an hour in a customer's life or a day in a customer's life where you're just an observer. You know, don't try to preach or tell people how to do things or how to use technology. Just go and see how they use it. And whenever I have done Kalpana, I have found that people use technology only about ten to fifteen percent of their overall work time. I mean, unless you, of course, you are in a very very tech heavy uh, you know scenario like a BPO, but like for example a dealership or you know finance function or a manufacturing function and just understanding that 90% of what people do when they're not on the computer or when, when they're not handling data that really provides the overall perspective and context to you know what should be done in that 10% that they are using I think that sometimes uh, we miss but, but but thanks for being uh, you know thanks for being very frank about that <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it typically happens you know as we go higher up we start losing touch uh, with yes. the ground and with the customer yeah. yes. so there is one question from power, I think young generation plan and don't have any patience. You were mentioned about losing father at young age and having gone through anxiety. What is the message for young people if going through similar trauma situations? I can see so many up and down, and you always come out successfully. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I I won't claim to know it all, but I can just say one thing that the external situation, and this is the biggest learning that I got from Inner Engineering. This is one of the programs that Isha, I did early, early years, in my early years, is that the external situation is never in your control. You may lose a loved one, you may lose a job that you loved, or you may lose your wealth, you can lose many things. So external situation can never be in your control. Like for this pandemic, I'm telling you, the entire world is frustrated, right? Everybody in the world is frustrated because they don't know when this is ever going to end. And uh, yet we are all living, right? Because there is no, I mean, it is there. It's it's there. But the external situation is never in your control. It is only your inner situation that you can manage. So the inner engineering taught me this, that most of us engineer our lives outside, whether you want a big car, you want a job, you want something, you, I mean, whatever, paycheck, you marry, whatever, your children, all this is all external, right? And I'm not saying that it is small, it is needed. That's what life is about. But the internal situation, how you deal with anything which is externally not going your way, how do you deal with it is definitely in your control. And that is once we started, I started to learn to manage that aspect well, then whether it was a curveball or it was a straight ball, I just picked it up. I just did what was needed. So 
I think this basically, so these tools, you know, where the tools for transformation, we talk about business transformation using technology. We use process re-engineering for business transformation. But none of us spend enough time for our own inner transformation. So once you learn that, then everything is okay. You will just glide with it, whatever comes your way. As I said, the, the, the illusion story says, right, that the creature just left the clinging to the rock. The wave lashed it. Again, it got up. Again, it moved. But because the creature let it go, it traveled and saw different places. Otherwise, it would be just clinging the rock. This is what I think I learned. No? And this yeah. is probably what people can learn. Yeah, and then I'll connect it with what you said earlier. The pain is inevitable. Suffering will come. Yeah, and you know, since since the question came, I can also share with uh, everyone here. On it was on Wednesday morning that I lost my brother-in-law, and uh, he was under my and my wife's care, my wife's brother, for about last eight months. And uh, I've been in hospital since Saturday. I haven't been home since Sunday. And I actually then uh, he he is from Baroda, so I came to Baroda. And this session actually I'm running from Baroda, and I wasn't very sure uh, whether we'll be able to run this session with the situation at home. And I told Kal that hey Kalpana I'm not too sure but then you know I kind of uh, closed my eyes and I said you know if he would have been around what would he have advised me and uh, I think I think he would have said no life has to go on and I think that's uh, one big thing that you know I'm learning and he has a small daughter and she tells us every hour that you know life has to go on because she's like she has the whole house up you know <laughs> on, on top with her uh, with her tantrums and her, and her laughter and everything. Yeah, so, you know, what's happening is happening. We can't control it. But this, this is something that we got to do. I mean, I had to run this. Of course, the announcement took some time just because of that dilemma. But we decided to have it. And, and Kalpana, thanks for waiting for so long, you know, for me to announce and make up my mind. But yeah, we just uh, deal with it. And I think this was amazing, Jagdish. When you told me, I was really quite, uh, I would say that, yeah, it's, it's, it's something wonderful that... You, when you thought about it, that he would have wanted me to continue. That's why I want to continue. I think that was a great thought. Yeah, and 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 he used to follow. You know, he used to be. As I said, he was under our care, and he would be sitting in the drawing room. I would be sitting in you know in my workplace in the in the bedroom and run this. And he would be actually uh, watching the entire clarity chat. You know, sitting wherever he was sitting. And uh, I'm sure you know that he would have liked me to do the same thing. What I did. Yeah. So we got we deal with life uh, as it comes as. Again, I will repeat it and I've kind of underlined it. Pain is inevitable. Uh, suffering is not. So on that note, uh, thank you, uh, Kalpana, so much uh, for all these insights. And I would say a lot of wisdom beyond even like, you know, managing technology, like, you know, about inner technology, how to manage, how to let go and still build a great career, how to contribute, you know, to organizations as well as to society. And uh, I think, I think, I think a great learning for everyone. Thank you, Kalpana. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. I, I don't know whether <laughs> I can be, I mean, we didn't have any technology talk, but uh, I think I'm, I'm hoping that it was enriching for all of you. Just sharing perspectives of what worked for me. Yeah, um, uh, but Kalpana, you know, I, I'm sure as I, as, I, as, I, as I told you before also, you know, the audience drives their own conclusions. So some of the conclusions that I can think of are, you know, solving business problems, you know, continuously doing it at a bigger scale and you know uh, taking life and career as it comes to doing what it requires and like Jonathan Livingston Seagull you know keep flying higher <laughs>
Okay. Thank you, Jagdish. So, uh, thank you, Kalpana, and thank you all the audience. Thank you for your comments and your engagement. Uh, bye bye. Till next Saturday. Wow, what a spellbinding and spirited, or should I say, spiritual discussion with Kalpana. I hope you loved it as much as I did, especially all our women colleagues and friends out there. Please do subscribe to Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. Well, one of my close friends suggested that all these IT bigwigs get grilled on Clarity Chat. So why not have someone grill you? Well, so watch out for our next Clarity Chat, rather Reverse Clarity Chat podcast, where I will be hosted by Divya Shlokam. a personal branding diva coach and in the top 25 to follow on linkedin by linkedin lounge mm-hmm.